Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. We're glad you've joined us to listen to a message from our pastor, Ashley Ellison. We believe God's Word is powerful and that it can be applied to our lives so that we may live victoriously. Let's join Pastor Ashley now as he shares the Word with us. If you have your Bibles, Exodus chapter 13, I've got some things I want to talk about today. kind of want to give a part two to what I started a couple weeks ago when I spoke on true Christianity, what being a true Christian is, and uh, I'm going to kind of pick up some of what I didn't finish that week. But before I get to that, I want to talk about Memorial Day just a little bit. Exodus chapter 13, verse 3, Moses said to the people, this is a day to remember forever. The day you left Egypt, the place of your slavery, today the Lord has brought you out by the power of his mighty hand. There are certain days in all of history, and you can go all the way back to the beginning of the word, there are certain days in all of history that are to be remembered, certain things that are to be remembered. And I love this verse, Exodus 13, 3, because obviously as we read the Old Testament, it's types and shadows of what we live now. And and when he said this is a day to remember forever, a memorial day is a day that we remember It's a day of remembrance. Moses was talking to these people before we ever established Memorial Day here in the United States. It was a day to say, hey, this is the day that you got to remember. You left Egypt, and Egypt represented sin. You left sin. You left the place that held you captive, and now you have freedom. And so I think it's important that in life we remember that we are no longer slaves, and, and what greater time to remember that than Memorial Day? We're no longer slaves. See, Memorial Day really has to do with um, us remembering those that died for our freedom. Yeah. Yeah. So can you take the symbolism? Can you take oh, so the two things and be able to make the connection? As you're decorating graves, a lot of people remember those that have gone on to be with the Lord and they go to the grave sites and and uh, called Decoration Day to some. But see, when you do that, I want to make sure you understand what we're, what we're doing is remembering that God provided life outside of slavery. You don't have to be enslaved. He's got a better life for you. He's got a better life for you. God goes on to tell his people how to celebrate and how to remember in Exodus and then in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, when you're told what to do as you celebrate, you develop customs around that. So that's why I started out asking you, how many of y'all have customs or things that you do Memorial Weekend? That can change, but what do you do? What are we doing here? May 5th, 1868, Major General John A. Logan of the Grand Army of the Republic, which was an organization made up of Union veterans, set aside May 30th as Decoration Day to commemorate fallen soldiers by adorning their graves with flowers. Now, General Logan's order declared, we should guard their graves with sacred vigilance. Let pleasant paths invite the coming and going of reverent visitors and fond mourners. Let no neglect, no ravages of time testify to the present 
or to the coming generations that we have forgotten as a people the cost of a free and undivided republic. I like that. And I just think it goes without saying that we need to make sure our young people know that. We need to know that there is something to remember that we celebrate here in the United States of the price that's been paid, the ultimate price for our freedom. Memorial Day was acknowledged as a national holiday in 1971 when an act of Congress established its observant on the last Monday in May. Now, when I read things that were enacted after I was birthed, it makes me feel a little old. But in 1971, we've been, we, we made this a national holiday. In 2000, Congress passed the National Moment, Moment of Remembrance Act, asking all Americans to pause at 3 p.m. local time on Memorial Day for a minute of silence in remembrance of all those who have died in military service to America. Now, I just want you to know that our nation has said we need to remember. It's a part of what's written in to how we operate here in the United States. So our nation has done that, and all they have done is done what Moses did way back when. He said, hey, don't forget. Remember, don't forget, remember. Memorial Day is given to remember those who have died, whether it be loved ones, friends, or those who have died for their country. We're instructed dozens of times in the Word of God to remember certain things. And you've got to understand, this is a great weekend to talk about remembering. Remembering. Many things the Lord asks us to remember. Deuteronomy, the book of remembrance, so many things in Scripture. Remember what the Lord has done. Remember what he has done. We sang about it this morning. What has the Lord done? What has the Lord done for your life? He's done great and mighty things. Remember what he has done. Remember not only what he's done for you corporately or even as a family, but individually. Individually, what has he done for you? So many times we don't remember or we act like we don't. I'm, I'm always amazed as I travel across the country. I, I've just very seldom I ever go anywhere that I don't meet someone that claims that they know Jesus. I just, everywhere, everywhere we go, we get to meet Christian people. And, and you get to talking to them and you visit with them. And the more you get to know them, it's kind of like they're going to claim Christianity, but they're acting like they forgot they were one. Now, I'm not here to throw anybody under the bus, but, I mean, it just seems like everywhere I go, people need to remember what God did for them, what he did. Today, I want to talk about a death, a burial, and a resurrection. It's good to remember what God did for you. God did a work in and through Jesus on your behalf and on mine. Aren't you glad? He did that. Jesus died. He was buried. And resurrected. And, and because he did that, we now can do that. We can put to death an old man. We can put to death an old way of life. We can put to death things that don't need to be awake and alive in our life. And we can live different. Three weeks ago, I talked about dying to the old man, burying the old man, getting rid of the shovel and not digging him back up. I mean, we just spent some time there. Uh, salvation, salvation is a killing. 
You know, a lot of times we just talk about the life side of it, and I'm all about that. But without the death, you don't have salvation. See, without a dying of the old man. And we have so cheapened salvation to just a simple prayer that you pray and you get a ticket to heaven. And we don't understand that there's a dying that took place. It's allowing Jesus to birth in you a new person. And and here's the thing. I, I have for years been guilty of not preaching the totality of your salvation. Well, what do you mean by that? There's a death, there's a burial, and then there's a new life. See, there's a new life that comes. Do you know you read nowhere in Scripture about asking Jesus into your heart? But I didn't know that for several years. I mean, I I was into adulthood before I understood. Because I remembered what was going to get me out of hell and into heaven was asking Jesus into my heart. Now, I got to give a disclaimer and say, I'm not sitting here trying to put down if you've taught that or you've... Because there is scripture that leads to an understanding of what Jesus meant and what he was saying that. I mean, you can go on another extreme and say, well, the Trinity is nowhere in scripture. Yeah, but it's everywhere in scripture. It just don't use the word Trinity. So I want to make sure and give that disclaimer. But what I'm telling you is a lot of times people get into this concept of thinking that if you ask Jesus into your heart, you're all good. And you never change anything. There's never a death that took place. There's not a burial of old thinking processes, of old ways of acting. And so I want to make sure that you know that it's more than just asking Jesus into your heart. There's a death, there's a burial, and there's a resurrection. James 2.19. All you got to do is believe. All you got to do is believe. James 2.19. You say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. That wasn't my words, that's scripture. Even the demons believe this. Even the demons believe that there's one God. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. I mean, here's the thing. I, I, I just, you just need to ask Jesus into your heart. Okay, yes, except for let's give the full picture. Yeah. Romans 10, 9, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. If he's Lord, you're not. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. Now, I understand that that verse can real easily be interpreted, okay, when you believe in your heart, then you're asking him into your heart. No, you're believing him with all that you are, that he is what he said he is. He is who he said he is, and he will do what he said he will do. See, there's a belief that comes in that submits yourself to him, a submission. Jesus talked about a new birth. Jesus replied in John 3, verse 3. He said, I'll tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. All right, so, well, ask Jesus into your heart. No, you need to get born again. Do you see that there's a difference here? Well, how do you get born again after you've already been birth. I mean, how, how, I don't understand that. Well, if you keep reading in verse four, what do you mean? Exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? 
Nicodemus talking to Jesus and said, and Jesus said, hey, you got to be born again. And Jesus comes, comes straight forward to him and says, you got to be born again, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus said, well, how am I going to do that? Aren't you glad Nicodemus asked that? And it's recorded in Scripture because we can know that salvation is more than just an asking Jesus into your heart. It's more than a belief. It's a new birth. It's a new birth. In verse 5 of John 3, Jesus replied, I assure you no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I tell you, Jesus said, you got to be born again. You must be born again. You must be born again. A death, a burial, and a resurrection. Come on, are you getting this? A death, a burial, getting rid of that guy where he can't resurface. A death and a burial, that burial represents it's not the same anymore. That guy's buried, and then a new life emerges. I love baptism, and we're having baptism Sunday here in two weeks. On June 11th, we're having baptism Sunday, and we've got several that are going to be baptized. I want this to be the greatest day we've ever had in the history of this church. I just really do. And, and you might say, well, well, we've already done that. I know, and I'm sorry you're not doing it this time. Because this is going to be the best one you've ever been a part of. And you say, well, Pastor, how can you say that? Everyone gets better. Because everyone's getting closer and closer to the celebration of the return of the Lord Jesus. And there's just more people being taken out of the enemy's hands and saying, hey, we've got a kingdom life ahead of us. And so I've just got this vision. I'm just kind of sharing it with you today. You know how we usually have the Baptist tank, the baptistry tank right here? The Baptist tank, the Baptist tank. It's right here. The baptistry, that's where they get their name. Anyway, so it's right over here. And, and now it's going to be the John the Baptist tank right here. It's going to be set right here center. I put it on the stage if I have some guys tell me if it can handle it or not. I don't know. Some are like, no, I don't really want it to fall through. But I, I want this to be central stage, I'm center stage. And I want everybody to know that we got people that's not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're not ashamed. They're telling everybody, that old man's dead, and I've got a new life. I've got, things are different for me. Now, baptism. Baptism. I got to teach on some of this. It's been around for thousands of years, really thousands of years. And it's been the center of a lot of discussion it's been the center of a lot of controversy. It's been, it's been the dissension factor for a lot of churches. And I can just tell you, one of the key reasons there's a different church on every corner is because of how they view baptism. That's just one of the key factors of why everybody's in this big hoopla about you're wrong and I'm right. And I'm not here to try to put someone else down. I just want to make sure we're doing what the Bible says. That's the main thing that I'm, a, I'm, I'm about. I want to make sure we're doing it biblically. And so I want to give you some points about baptism. Question asked, what's happening when somebody's getting baptized? There's a celebration. There is an excitement. Now, isn't that when they get saved? You bet. But it's their first act of obedience after salvation. 
there ought to be some excitement about that. Water baptism, what does it mean? What is happening when someone, well, here's the first thing. It's an important first step as a Christian. It's important. And if you've not been baptized and you've been questioning, maybe today I can answer some of those questions for you. I don't know what, do I need to? I, do I need to be fully immersed? Do I not? I don't understand. See, being immersed in water is a response to receiving salvation. Yeah. Well, what's salvation? A death, a burial, and a resurrection. A death, a burial, and a resurrection. It's very important as you enter into Christianity, whether it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, or yesterday, that you're baptized. Why? Because it represents your first step. And we've got a lot of people who get saved and they never get baptized. And I want you to know that's wrong. It's important to get baptized. Well, pastor, can you explain some of that? Yeah, let me give you some scripture. We need to have a point of remembering back of what we did publicly. It's an outward expression of what went on inwardly. And I, Matthew 3, verse 13, we see that the Lord Jesus himself coming to, the, to his cousin John to be baptized, and, and he was doing that in order to fulfill all righteousness. All right, if we're to have the mind of Christ... If we're to think like, act like, operate by, and he is to be our example, then what did he do? In verse 13 of Matthew chapter 3, it says, Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one that needs baptized by you, he said, so why are you coming to me? I mean, I can hear this conversation. John's probably a little weirded out. Okay, here's Jesus coming. He knows all about him. He knows that he is. The, he's the one been telling everybody, there's one coming greater than me. There's one coming. You better, you better, if you missed Rachel's Wednesday night on John the Baptist, you need to go back and look that up on podcast. It was awesome. But uh, I, I'm sure that Jesus is sitting here kind of going, John, I'm asking you to do something. Don't make this as big a deal as you're making it. So Jesus says in verse 15, it should be done for we, not me, for we must carry out all that God requires. Well, should I be? Yes, because you just said you're a we. You just said you're a we. So John agreed to baptize him, and after his baptism, Jesus come out of the water, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, and, and, and this really concerns me to say it because I would love to be able to say it the way God did, but can you imagine God's voice? This is my dearly loved son who brings me great, great joy. God said that. What happens when someone gets baptized? They've just done what Jesus said we need to do. Not me, we. And when you come out of that water, can you imagine the heavens opening and God saying, mine, so glad that you followed an act of obedience. And baptism has been established in the New Testament church as an eternal ordinance 
calling every believer, every, everybody say every, every believer to follow in Jesus' footsteps. Well, I just don't know how it's important, how important it is. It's very important. It's very important. It's the first step of your new life. In our modernized comfort zone Christianity, we just take God's word way too lightly. Come on, way too lightly. He said, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. I read a quote. Most Westerners take baptism for granted, but many in the world, the act requires immense courage. In countries like Nepal, it once meant imprisonment. For Soviet or Chinese or Eastern Bloc believers, it was like signing their own death warrant. How important is baptism? It is important enough for these folks to say, hey, listen, I'm going to get baptized regardless of what happens to me. So I want to encourage you. You may be sitting there this morning going, well, I've already been baptized. That's great, but I want you to see the significance as you remember your baptism. Water baptism, in essence, a portion of it is a funeral. It is. It's an act of faith in which we testify to God and to the world that the person before you right now is dead. The person that is standing right here is dead. The person standing right before you is dead. I just want you to know you're seeing a dead man right here walking. And what you're getting ready to watch is that dead man get buried. And so there's a dead man getting buried. Colossians 2 verse 12. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised a new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Being baptized, church, is a command from God. It's not an option you have. But we're looking at it as an option. We've got to misunderstand. We don't understand. And it still takes a choice for you to walk in obedience the same way as it took for you to make the choice to accept him as Lord and Savior. So you made that decision. Let's go ahead and make the right decision after that. Or were you serious about the first choice? And I'm not trying to question your salvation. That's between you and God. But if you were serious about it, then you need to be serious about baptism. Christians who don't follow Jesus in water baptism, let me tell you a Pew Research statistic. Their rate of backsliding is significantly almost double higher than those who have been baptized. Those who have been baptized are twice as likely to live the Christian life than someone who hasn't. Now, that's kind of an amazing deal. After after all, if I walk with God didn't begin with the most basic act of obedience, did you not get off to a little faulty foundation to start with? Absolutely. Baptism is a very special way of God communicating his love to us. That's, it's just very special. When we receive God's saving grace, it's no accident that he calls us to publicly identify ourselves with him. Publicly identify and make it real to us Can I just ask you, and you can ask yourself this question, are you struggling at all with your past? Something in your past, and you know yesterday was past. Struggling with past, five years ago, just struggling over guilt from my past. It could be you haven't given yourself a proper burial. I know I may be digging a little deep this morning, 
But I think it's important that you understand the significance of what water baptism amounts to. It's just a reminder of God's powerful grace. The person before you is dead forever, and you're going to watch the burial, and then you're going to see the new birth. The born again. Now, if I could give one word for baptism, and I, I teach our young people this before they're baptized, it's your spiritual ID. It's your spiritual ID. Baptism is your faith identification. It's a sign that you've placed your faith in Jesus. It's the outward identification that you belong to him. And here's how. Number one, number one, here's how it identifies you with him. It, it signifies his death on the cross and his resurrection on the third day. We celebrate that at Easter, I understand that. But as a Christian, we ought to celebrate it daily. You, you, can't, you can't waffle on this. You can't teeter-talk. Well, I don't know. I kind of think this and I kind of... No, as a Christ follower, you've got to understand baptism betrays Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And it further identifies you with him. You're wanting to identify yourself with Jesus. Baptism does that without you having to hang on a cross. See, it, it puts you on his page. Death of Christ, burial under the water, resurrection coming out of the water. Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of sin, and he was raised from the dead by the power of God. And that's what symbolically is happening for you publicly that you already took care of privately. Number two, baptism, going under the water, is also a sign that you're dead to self. You're dead to self. Your own issues that you're dealing with. You can look back, and if we're going to talk about remembrance, you can remember there was a day that the enemy held your sin over your head. Even after you were saved. He kept trying to tell you, you're no good. I don't know if this happened to anybody here, but the day after you got saved, everybody has to deal with it at some point. Was that real or not? Did that really happen? Did I really just accept Jesus? And did he really do that for me? I'm telling you, when you get baptism, it gives you a point, baptized, it gives you a point to look back and remember. I symbolically told everybody I believe that. I believed it when I did it, and now I'm needing to believe it again. See, there's a daily looking back and remembering that it's a sign that I died to self, and that self has no power. It represents a washing. After you go on a fish-killing trip, you need a washing. There ain't nothing nastier. And I, I, then blood and guts all over you from these fish. I mean, it's, it's pretty nasty. And so you get back, and the first thing you want to do is get in the shower. And you want to get clean. And I, I'm, I just, I knew what I was talking about the last couple of weeks as I've been studying and preparing for what God had for today. And as I, I knew that I was talking about this, I was in the shower afterwards, and I was thinking, whoo, this is awesome. You know, just getting all clean. And I'm telling you, sin makes you feel dirty. It will. It just makes a wrong thought a wrong statement that should never have came out of your mouth, yeah, it, it starts weighing on you. 
Well, what I'm telling you is if you can get to a place where you understand what baptism did, it is going to help you for future. When you mess up, you go back and say, wait, 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 wait. That's the old man. He's dead. And I have been raised a new life in Christ. And so baptism gives you a point of remembrance that you can say, you have no power over me. This was done to fulfill all righteousness. Romans 6, 4, Apostle Paul describes this. He says, we're buried with him through baptism unto death. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, we now have new life. We have a new life. We have a new life. A new life that is alive, a life that is forgiven, a life that is awakened, a life that is lived by faith. In Jesus, the people who are being baptized here in a couple of weeks, and we've got several of them, have made a, def- a decision to identify publicly. You don't want to miss this day. June 11th, mark it on your calendar. It's important that you're here. They're all wanting you to see them. Now, some of them are going, no, I'm really not. That's kind of, I'll be fine. No, no, no. They made a decision privately to live for Christ. And we, as God's people that have been baptized, need to be standing there hooping and hollering and cheering them on. I mean, we've got to know that it's not just about making them feel special because we did it, but God is wanting them to feel special. What did he do when Jesus was baptized? The heavens are open right there. I'd love for the ceiling of this place to just go. Dove come down. My son, my daughter, so pleased. See, it's more than an outward sign of our faith. It's more than a symbol. It's a holy moment. I believe that with all that I am. It's a holy moment. Baptism is a declaration done publicly within the community, but it's also done before God. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.